So, I'm going to jump right in to 1 Chronicles 29. And, uh, and this gives us a, a glimpse into the heart of King David. This is at the end of David's life. And we know that David so desperately... I forgot to empty my pockets. Uh, we know that David so desperately wanted to build the temple. And, uh, and so uh, initially when he brought it up, he said, you know, I've got this fine, uh, fine place that I'm living in. But then, uh, you know, the, the Lord's covenant, he's, he's referring to the Ten Commandments and, and the, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, you know, doesn't have uh, a, a place such as this. It deserves something better. And so he wants to undertake the building of the temple. And at first, Nathan, the prophet, agrees with him and says, Hey, you know, king, you, everything you've done has been blessed by God. Why not this? And then God comes to Nathan and gives him a word and says, You know, Nathan, you've got to go back uh, to David and tell him it's not his place to build this temple. It's going to be someone else's place. It's going to be the place of the next anointed that is to come after him. And uh, so David, I know when Nathan goes back to him and says, King, it, it is not for you to build this temple. Uh, I, I just have to know that, that David is just so disappointed in this. Because he really wanted to do this on a grand scale for God. But then he has to accept God's will. That it's not for him to undertake this. It's going to be for the next king. And it's going to be for his son, Solomon. And so, uh, but we, we get a glimpse into what's going on at the very end of David's life and a glimpse into his heart. First Chronicles 29, beginning with verse 6. Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly... They gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehel, the Gershonite. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David, the king, also rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Just listen to this prayer, church. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. 
And we have given you only what comes from your hand. Now, we often say that when we give, that we're simply giving a portion of what God has blessed us with and giving it back to God. That is obviously not a new concept, is it, church? David expresses that very idea thousands of years ago, saying, God, who are we? And all we're doing is just giving you back what has already come from your hand. And we think about our jobs. We think about what we do. And I mention, because maybe not everyone gathered here this morning knows this, but this isn't what I've always done. I was in my 40s when I started doing this, when I started preaching, when I started in ministry. Two and a half years initially as a youth minister and then in 18 months as an interim preaching minister before moving to Hohenwald. So I had about 18 to 20 years in the real world, as you might say, working secular jobs, working for pagans. I did it. And so I know what that's like. I remember getting hired to work for an oil company and I was excited to start a new job and I was excited for a steady paycheck because I'd been on in commission sales for several years where it was either feast or famine. And so uh, I was excited uh, to be in this office environment and to learn about this whole other industry, oil exploration, all this kind of stuff. And then I came to realize I am the only person in this office who's never been arrested. Yeah, but I rejoice because I feel like God put me in that path, put, put those people in my path for a, for a reason. That I was able to be an example for them that maybe some of them had never had in their lives. And so I was able to be uh, able to be a friend to some or a big brother to some. And so what a blessing that setting was. But we are reminded in Colossians, and I'm sorry, I missed the whole chance to talk about the temple, but there's a picture of the temple. Uh, if you're listening on the, uh, on the podcast, you don't get to see this, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's really, really big. And so in order for them to give everything that they had to, I mean, everything that was necessary, it took a lot of people giving what they had. And so uh, the chronicler uh, gives us this list of all the iron, all the bronze, all the different metals that are made. And you can see there the outer courts, you can see the, the massive colonnade where all those columns are, and, uh, and then you can see the, the series of gates and that big tall thing in the back that that is where the Holy of Holies is, and that's where they would place, ultimately, the Ark of the Covenant. And so, uh, it was built, it was destroyed, it was rebuilt again, hundreds of years later, and then it was destroyed again. And uh, But when it stood, it certainly, uh, it certainly served a purpose 
for God's people and imagined all we can do now is look at architects and artists' renderings of, of what it looks like, uh, what it would have looked like based on what we read in Scripture. Uh, but uh, what a magnificent thing it was. And, and so the people gave and they gave generously because they felt like they were giving for a worthy cause. And I know sometimes in your jobs that you can feel like you're just working for the man. Uh, And so uh, in Colossians, we are reminded, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for who, church? The Lord. That's right. Not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And so yes, we might go to a job that we don't always love. We might go to a job and think, well, you know, it's a paycheck. I remember the first job I ever had, I was a dishwasher at a girls camp. And I had to be there every morning at 7 o'clock. And there were lots of times I didn't get home till about 9 or 9.30. Uh, and I remember uh, saying to my mom, saying, well, uh, I don't really like it, but at least they give you a paycheck, so that makes it worth it. And mom looked at me and kind of cocked her head, kind of the way my German shepherd does at me now, and says, well, son, that's any job. You know, that, you know, you work at it. She, she, she was a government employee. And so she got up every morning and drove from Winchester up to Tullahoma and worked for the Social Security Administration. She did that for a number of years. And, uh, and you know, I just know that knowing mom, she wasn't getting out of bed every morning going, I can't wait to see all those people who have problems. You know, because she was a claims representative for a number of years. And so it's that everybody that comes to you has a problem. You know, nobody comes to you and says, I just want to say thank you for the check that I get every month in the mail from the government. That's awesome. Nobody ever did that once in all those years. So it was always a problem. And so, and so mom would begin the process of starting their claim and helping them figure out their problem. But the point she was making with son, you know, there's a likelihood that in life you're going to have a job that you don't appreciate or that you don't look forward to going to every day. Boy, was mom wrong. Okay? Because I do have a job that I get to appreciate every day that I look forward to going to every day. Some days are better than others. That's life. But praise God that He called me into this. But I know I've been there where you may not have that feeling. Some of you do love going to work every day. Some of you basically despise it. I get that. And I really think that scriptures such as these remind us that you're working toward a greater purpose and a greater cause. For one thing, if you're providing, helping to provide for your family, that is worthwhile in and of itself. But then when you look at the greater good of what giving does, and we're going to unpack that a little further in just a moment, but I want us to take a look now at Acts chapter 11. 
And so I want you to imagine for a moment before we read this that, uh, that, that you got a problem. And, uh, and so uh, the, the company has a problem and they solve that problem by hiring additional personnel. And so maybe it's a doctor's office and they add a nurse. Maybe it's a school system and they add two or three teachers uh, to accommodate uh, some additional students that have enrolled. But whatever the problem that, that's going on, then you, you hire additional people. But then one of the people that you hired is really awesome. And they're just absolutely amazing. And then for the cause that they stand for, they get killed. Now I know this is the part where my example doesn't really meet the real world that we're living in. Because people in America are not typically martyred for whatever cause they represent. That They don't have to do that. But what I'm referring to is what's going on with the early church that we read about in the book of Acts. They've come together at Pentecost and... and Peter starts preaching boldly, and we know that thousands of people uh, are baptized into Christ, and then the apostles are presented with a problem during the daily distribution of food that some of these widows are not getting what they should. And the apostles are thinking, hey, we've got our hands full. We've got to be available to preach and teach and to do what God's Spirit is leading us to do. But we're going we're gonna to bring some more people on board. And so we read in the book of Acts that they, they bring on a guy named Stephen and some other, some other men. And it's going to be their job. They are going to be servants who are brought in for the specific task of making food, making food, no, making sure all the food is distributed fairly to everyone. And so Stephen is a guy who is just full of the spirit we read in the book of Acts. And, and Stephen is a guy that, that they decide to pick on. And Stephen preaches boldly to the Jewish ruling council. And they label him a blasphemer because he says, look, I can see heaven opened up and I see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God. And at this, all those Pharisees and Sadducees are covering their ears and they're rushing him and they stone him to death. And in that moment that he is being killed, he says, Father, do not hold this sin against them. An amazing act of amazing moment of forgiveness. But I say this to set, to, to set up what we read about that's going on here in Acts 11, beginning with verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travel as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however... Men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. 
News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and, through the Spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And so, we read here about what's going on in Antioch, just for some context. Antioch is the third largest city in the Roman Empire. And so, Antioch was a city, probably at this time, of at least 250,000 people. Uh, Scholars believe that it probably grew to a population at its peak of about half a million people. And so it was an important place as far as commerce went. Uh, those of you that have studied world history, have you ever heard about the, uh, the Silk Road? Antioch was close to the Silk Road. It was also close to another trading route called the Royal Road. And so a lot of commerce in this city. And so I bring that up to, to say that because there's a lot of people... It's a fertile mission ground. And because they have chosen to take now this message, they feel called to take this message not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. And that opens up all these Greek-speaking people, all these Hellenistic people that now can hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's this kind of Romans 8.28 moment. God didn't cause the persecution. But you better believe that God's Spirit used the persecution to bring glory to God's people. Because now, people that were on fire for the Lord now took that message into the regions and the world around them. And what did, what, how does this section conclude though, church? It concludes with Agabus saying, hey, there's going to be a famine. And it's believed that that famine occurred around the year 46 in the first century. And so the folks in Antioch now feel compelled to take up a collection and send it to their fellow Christians, people that they've never met and to send that collection down to Judea, where Jerusalem is. And so, uh, we speak this morning about being led to give generously. Wasn't that long ago, I saw a, a post on social media that just broke my heart. It was a young man in, uh, from our youth group in Kentucky. 
And uh, he's now in his, oh, he would have to be at least in his late 20s, maybe early 30s. But he's married, living in Alabama. And he had commented on a post. Someone said something about where they give and why they don't give to their local congregation. And he replied and says, I agree, I've got worthy causes that I give to, but I'm not giving to a church just so they can pay some bills to keep the doors open. Now, I don't know his context, okay? I'm not walking in his shoes right now, so I've got to extend some grace because I don't know where he's worshiping. And maybe where he is south of us, maybe that particular congregation, all they can do right now, it's all they can do just to keep the doors open to have a place to worship. But I thought, man, how sad is that if if that's all they can do? Because I know what we're doing. And I know what other congregations in our community are doing. Just recently... We opened our doors and we had over 200 people here from the community. And because I've gotten to know some of the other ministers in this city, I know what they're doing. I know what the dwelling place is doing through Hope Hohenwald and the number of of students that they're serving every afternoon. I know what General Assembly is doing. That little congregation sends over $3,000 a month to Haiti. When I heard that, that blew me away. That's real money. Over $3,000 a month to feed people in the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. To God be the glory, right church? And then I think about what the Hohenwald Church of Christ has been up to. I mean, if you just go to our webpage, you see House of Hope, you see the food pantry, you see Sack the Pulpit. And I wish that guy that was baptized when I was his youth minister, I wish he could be here for a distribution day for House of Hope and see the... the at times, it, we have, have served close to 200 people in one day. Dozens of families with clothing and school supplies. You know, the pantry, the, the ladies that put work into that every month, God bless them. Sack the pulpit, which we do every November, and we, we feed dozens of families here in our community right at Thanksgiving. Uh, that we do regular meals for people who have various needs. I think about uh, I think about our Veterans Day lunch. We haven't been able to do it the last couple of years, and praise God, you know, we get to do that once again. We usually serve about 150 plus people, uh, men and women who have served this country, who have put their lives at times in harm's way to ensure the freedoms that you and I enjoy. And we get to open the doors of this temple one day of the year and feed them just as a simple means of, simple way of saying thank you. And then I think about how not that long ago 
we saw the pictures that Ashok Budala sent. We sent funds to India and he used those funds to feed people in not one but two different villages in India. And then I think about the other funds that we sent to provide some relief uh, to people who were hurting in India. And I know that this congregation over the years has done mission work that I have even no idea because I wasn't here for any of that. That people here have gone to Guyana and other places in the name of the Lord that this congregation has given. And this congregation still gives generously to Honduras. And uh, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, June, two months ago, right? We gathered and we had VBS and a lot of you came every night and put in work and we've, we've uh, told Hayden and Hope how much we appreciate the countless hours that they put in in reviving VBS at the Hohenwald Church of Christ. And because of the contribution that week, we were able to send $750 to the Trujillo Christian School. And so uh, money that has been gathered uh, sends people like me on these mission trips to Honduras. And we, we send those funds to the Trujillo Christian School. And you look at that face and you tell me she's not excited about receiving a new school uniform? I praise God that we're not simply keeping the doors open. That we are able to put smiles on faces in another part of the world because of the work that we collectively do, because of our collective generosity. And so I look forward to the day when I get to go back, but that some of you get to go with me and see this work firsthand. Look at Tom from Georgia. You think he's not excited to use a power drill? <laughs> oh. And uh, when you see those faces and when you see love in their eyes and the appreciation that they have. And then, and this is what it's all about, church. A local campaign and five people one evening being baptized together on the edge of the Caribbean Sea. That church is kingdom work. And that kingdom work is supported by people like you that go to your jobs, some that you love, some that you can't wait to find the next thing. I know. I've been there. But when you give, please know that it is money well spent serving God's kingdom on multiple fronts. And it's not just India. And it's not just Honduras. It's not just places like Liberia where we once sent uh, hundreds of Bibles to Alfred Bayan who is doing amazing work in West Africa. Planning churches, uh, undertaking routine campaigns and going into remote areas of the poorest country 
on the planet as determined by the World Bank, Liberia. And going into those small remote villages and planting churches and starting schools. And I praise God that there's a church in Crossville that's sending him two or three thousand dollars a month. They built him a school from the ground up right there uh, where he is in Monrovia, Liberia. Right next to the GSA Road Church of Christ is the Morningstar uh, Christian School now. And so children are being educated and they're being taught the good news that Jesus Christ died for them. But church, I think about the people from our own streets here in Hohenwald that come our way. And every month except one, we've gone a little over our budget, haven't we, Kay? I think May was the only month where we didn't meet our limit or exceed it. But people that need uh, food, that need clothing, that need shelter, people that need gas so they can get to work, so they can keep the job that they just got a couple weeks before, people that hadn't even gotten their first paycheck yet, and they got to get to Mount Pleasant or Columbia or wherever it might be, And we can do that. And we can do it in the name of Jesus. Because this group, like those people in Antioch so many years ago, pull their resources and give generously. And I just encourage you to keep doing so. To keep doing so. From the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 8. If your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging like a Barnabas. And if it is in giving, then give generously. May God help us to be people who are generous. May God help us to be people who are not merely keeping the doors open and praise God that that's not what we've been about. That's not what we will be about. As we continue to open our doors to serve others, as we continue to find ways to leave this property to serve others. To God be the glory for the great things He has done and will continue to do through not only the Hohenwald Church of Christ, but other individual congregations, individual bodies of believers that together make up the Bride of Christ. And if you are with us this morning and you have not yet put on Christ in baptism, I hope that something that's been said today will inspire you to do so. If you're with us today and you've got some need in your life, and you would appreciate the prayers of this body, then we give the invitation to allow you to come for that need as well. Let's stand together and sing. I serve